0: Hello, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to the Colorism Healing Podcast, where our goal is to learn, transform, and resist. What you're about to listen to is the audio version of my weekly live streams on Instagram and Facebook, which you are welcome to join every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. My apologies, y'all. Hopefully y'all are still with me. Thank you for being such troopers. Um, Okay, so if you're just joining, the topic for today is a continuation. We're going to pick up where we left off last week with the collective healing piece. And I know I posted in my stories how there was a question that came up last week about allyship. We were talking about allyship in general at the end of last week, but Um, I am Shanda Rule asked specifically about allyship and colorism because we're talking about collective healing. And so, yes, as the title implies, that involves multiple people, right? Because... Um, just a quick review. I was talking about how a lot of times when we talk about healing from colorism, we focus so much on the individual aspect of it. And we often don't get to talk about how, what it looks like to show up for each other. Right. We know we have to show up for ourselves and our own healing, checking our own biases, doing that own inner reflection. But then how do we take that inner healing and apply it in a collective sense? Right. To help groups to help families and to help the larger society and the world heal from that. And so allyship or accompliceship, as some people prefer, right, whatever term you're using, um, I think the concept is, the overarching concept is that you are participating in the dismantling of the system of colorism or, you know, White supremacist structures, white supremacist delusions, as Sonia Renee Taylor always says. Um, and so I think for allyship, for colorism, it's a little different than when people in the general pop population talk about allyship, because usually we're talking to be honest, most often the conversation is about how white people can be allies to people of color, or to African Americans, or to black people, right? But when we talk about allyship in terms of colorism, then we see black folks, we see, you know, Latinx folks who could also be black, we see people of different ethnicities and different races who would typically be seeking, you know, others, right, to show up and join hands with them in the fight, all of a sudden being called on or looked to to do the same, right? And so I think that question is a lot of what the last part of my conversation is about, and that's what is your role in this? What is your role in the collective? What is your role in society? And so, I'm going to go ahead and say everything I have to say about that. And then I'll save the questions for later. Right. So I'm, I'm going to try a diff- slightly different approach to stay, to be efficient in my conversation, <laughs> but please continue to leave your comments and questions in the chat, but I'm just going to hold off going back and reading them until I've conveyed sort of my notes and my ideas that I want to bring to you all today. And so when we think about what is your role in the collective You know, Not everyone can be on the front lines. And this is also something I've said before. Not everyone is going to be at the front lines of every fight or every cause. Because unfortunately, our world is still such that there are a lot of causes. There are a lot of um, battles and different issues to tackle. And so that doesn't mean you can't still support those causes or those issues, right? Even though you're not the face of the, the cause or you're not directly organizing action in the community right you can still be a supporter of it in some way and you can still be accountable for the harm that you do or that you don't do and so it's important for all of us to reflect in a very practical way so in a very practical sense think about literally what are your skills what are your talents what What resources do you have, and resources can be money obviously I think that 's the go to especially you know in modern society. but your resources could also be time. your resources could also be space right so if you have um, a house with like a extra space or if you have um, rental property that 's currently vacant or if you own you know commercial property, um, it could also be your network, right? Your network could be a resource to someone in terms of supporting them in, not just their work on colorism, but just if you have a dark skinned neighbor, for example, who is looking for a job, leverage your network, right? Or leverage your position um, in various spaces. And so we all have to survey what we have access to. We all have to survey what we could, how we could contribute. And I also encourage you to stretch yourself because, you know, I, I say this when people talk about artists and sort of canceling artists, like um, any artist that does something harmful, right? I won't even say the names, but y'all know the musicians and the music artists and the actors who have done terrible things and how they get canceled and we no longer support, listen to their music or we no longer watch their movies, right? And so there's this conversation that comes up when people ask, well, um, do what? Where do we draw the line, right? Uh, if people have very fond memories of that music or that artist, or do we, you know, negate all the good things or the positive things that came from that? And when I engage in that conversation, I always remind people that change and progress require sacrifice. So yes, there might have been wonderful memories listening to that music. There might have been wonderful memories or, you know, you might have learned a lot watching that TV show or watching that movie. But in order to really create um, a radically different world, we all have to be sacrificing things. And know and understand too, if you're feeling some type of way about having to give up something that was pleasant, imagine how much more beautiful the world could be right. So just because you are losing one thing that a positive memory was attached to doesn't mean you can't create new memories or better memories or, um, the the price of making the world a better place for everyone is worth having one less TV show to watch, right? Or one less music album to listen to. And so I think and that's where the, you know, the degrees of allyship that we were discussing last week really come in. Um, or accompliceship is what is it costing you? If it doesn't cost you anything, then are you actually being effective? And I always say that these systems of oppression are not going down without a fight, right? They're not just going to lay down and let us recreate the world as we imagine it. So it it does require um, us to be looking for ways that, you know, I could push a little harder in this area. I could work a little harder in this area. I could sacrifice a little bit more. And for you, it might just be discomfort. Like that could be the sacrifice. It's just sacrificing your emotional comfort, right? Because a lot of times, we know, these conversations are difficult to have. We don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't want to become the target at work. Um, We don't want to be judged for making a mistake or doing something wrong. A lot of times people don't act or don't stretch themselves or step outside of their comfort zones because they don't they can't guarantee certain results, right? They can't guarantee that they'll come out that the result will be what they imagined it to be. And so even just being willing to sacrifice feeling emotionally safe or feeling emotionally comfortable, I think is really important. Um And then I also want to say that this has to be a periodic thing as well. So as you do more of the work, right, you are going to start to feel comfortable with certain things. Right. And so this is not just a one time self-reflection. Like, okay, I'm going to make sure I always hire, you know, dark skinned people when I'm on on a hiring committee. Because you're going to be doing that five years from now. Like, yeah, I've been doing that for five years. But you need to reflect again, re. Mat- read, take another survey of where you are and what else you can do. So always be looking to stretch. If, if things are starting to feel comfortable in your allyship or if things are starting to feel comfortable in your accompliceship, then look for the next edge, right? Look for the next zone of discomfort that you can lean into or step into. The other important thing Um, So it's kind of cool that I did a part two because I can keep this one shorter. (laughs) So I only have one other note. The other important thing in terms of collective healing is that it's not just about what you give to a community. It's also about what the kind of support and validation and love and respect you also receive from a community. And I think you can curate a community that is reciprocal reciprocal, right? And so you might not be getting the exact same thing in return, but you are getting something in return. And people, that might be, you know, people might push back on that, right? Like if you're an ally, you shouldn't expect anything in return. Um, But I think it's, you don't have to receive from the people that you're directly Um, supporting, right? So let's say, for example, I I donate to a shelter, to a woman's shelter, right? I'm not expecting those women to support me. (laughs) Like, that's not the reciprocity I'm talking about. But I'm talking more about collective reciprocity, right? So I might be giving to a woman's shelter and expecting nothing in return from that particular group of individuals. But Where are the people in my life who also feed into me? Right. So that could be like your intimate partner. That could be your friend circle. Maybe you join um, groups of other activists or other leaders or other um, volunteers. Right. And you all come together to support each other. And so you want to. Not only look for opportunities to serve, but you want to look for opportunities to feed your spirit. You want to look for opportunities to um, recharge your battery, to refill your cup. And that is just as important because if you're in it for life, that's the only sustainable way to do this work. Right. That's the only sustainable way to do this. This work. Indefinitely Is if you are not just looking for opportunities to give out your energy, but you are very clear about the people you need around you, the people you need in your circle, who will also replenish that fuel and refuel you. Um, and then I also mentioned how it's, it's great if they aren't just reciprocal, but they also understand and empathize. So I was talking to someone and they were explaining how, you know, light-skinned people can be very supportive and light-skinned people can affirm you and they can support you and they can, you know, help you um, as as allies or accomplices. But it's also important for a lot of us in terms of our healing to be in groups of people who don't just care, but who have been there, right? They have also been through what we've been through. And so there's this sense of, you know, I appreciate your support, right? As my, for example, my light-skinned mom and my light-skinned sister who might actually be watching right now. I don't know. Um, It's like, I love them and I respect them so much for their the way they show up in the world in order to tackle colorism and to be a support to me. But it's different. It's a different experience than the community I create or the community I've engaged with with other dark-skinned women, right? And other dark-skinned women specifically, right? And so even if you're a guy, right? Talking about colorism in a group of other guys, is is important for you, right? Um, and so, being very intentional about the people that you have around you. And to that end, you also want to um, set up clear boundaries and avoid, you know, getting I think too deeply enmeshed in people with people or in groups or situations that gaslight you, especially around colorism, because y'all know we get gaslit on colorism all the time, right? And so when you see those kinds of behaviors or when you see people who um, trivialize or, or dismissive when you're talking about um, the difficulty you're having with colorism or with your the way you show up. I think it's important to either establish boundaries or remove yourself from those situations. So that's what I have for you all today. Now I'm going to do the the fun part and scroll through all of your comments. <laughs> um, let's see. I feel like I'm really way behind in my comments and my waving at people. So Lucid Lowe says the gag is many of the artists in the black community that should be canceled shouldn't have been on in the first place. Colorism dominates the black entertainment sector. Oh, that's a really good point, Lucid Loes, in terms of it. When you think about how egregious, like just how bad. Someone's actions have to be before they get canceled, especially like, you know, in black music, for example. I agree. I feel like you shouldn't have to, you know, assault or abuse or batter people (laughs) to not be played on the airwaves. Because, yeah, colorism, especially in uh, black music, is a thing and it has hurt our community in psychological and emotional ways right? And that's just as important as the other forms of hurt that a lot of these artists perpetuate. Um, Shati, hey, welcome. Not sure 100% the topic because I just joined, but if you can't sacrifice something that does harm because it brings you joy and pleasure, it's clear you're at the at a place where you're centering yourself. I like that. So the idea of centering yourself, decentering yourself is, you know, something a lot of people talk about. A lot of Folks have explained it, and you know given suggestions and strategies for how you can decenter to yourself, hey, Tanya, welcome. <laughs> I had to move my camera to the left because the laptop fan was creating some static um, but yeah it's and i I've been saying this even before I started colorism Healing, you know, I used to say it's not about me, right, like it's not about me, although in some ways it is, but I'll say that for another live session <laughs> um because. If you are prioritizing your comfort, then you are not only ineffective, but you are helping to perpetuate harm. You're helping to perpetuate the status quo, um, not just not the healing of marginalized people or justice. Audie Shawty says, I always love hearing you talk. Your ideas always support my thinking and learning. Grateful for you. Yay, Audie Shawty, thank you. I don't know if you're still watching because a lot of people hopped off. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a Gemini. So I talk, that's like part of my nature and I really enjoy it. Uh, and I enjoy teaching as well. Um, Terra says, so bummed my internet and DR is not working. Aw, well, it'll be recorded for playback. So if you can't keep up with the live stream, then it'll be saved on my IG TV st- uh, page. Um, it's Frozen. Hi from Toronto. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. What's up, Toronto? Oh, I got to add Canada too, y'all. I'm, I'm jotting down places I want to travel to next year in 2022. Um, and oddly enough, Canada is prob- could probably be a first stop because it's so close. <laughs> um, all right. So I think... Um, we have, those are all the questions and comments I see here. Um, so I'm going to let you all go. Hopefully, you know, we all have something to reflect on and chew on in terms of collective healing, our role. in that, also how we can surround ourselves with collectives that are healing and healthy and supportive and reciprocal in many ways. Um, so I see a request to submit from Rustic Muzu. So if you send me a DM, we can set up a time to go live. But I don't bring people on um, unplanned. So I always plan my live streams in general. low says no, don't go. <laughs> y'all, yeah, obviously, y'all know I can talk for a long time, but okay to you know keep it short every once in a while and i'll be back with a special guest so i'm bringing on a guest next week i had two weeks of just me and then we'll have a conversation um i'm really excited about this conversation because this person works in the beer industry and that's something i don't know a lot about in terms of like colorism and marketing and advertisements in terms of you know alcoholic beverages that'll be really interesting um but also they're from the bahamas so it's more that international perspective you know slightly different um, ethnic um, experiences in terms of their family dynamics. So I really look forward to getting in and hearing their story. Um, listen <laughs> Moses, I want to hear more, I know. Um, but I think we can set up a time to you know, chat more. If you have questions or specific questions you'd like me to, to address going forward, I'm happy to do that. But since there are no questions now, Y'all, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. Also, um, just know that I do this every Tuesday. And so the conversation continues for me. I talk about colorism every day. And you're always welcome to join. Love y'all. It is hard to say goodbye. That's why I'm still on. <laughs> I'm going to end it. And I it's two minutes later, I'm still talking. <laughs> All right. I got to go, though. Um, y'all take care. Love you. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to hit the like button and share this episode with a friend. I hope you can join us again for the next one.